We are studying Galatians chapter 3 here on the Radio Bible Course, and we welcome you to this study. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. We're continuing our discussion of this marvelous verse that tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In yesterday's lesson I pointed out that Paul must have had Isaiah's prophecy about the suffering Christ who became a curse for us when he was put on that cross. Isaiah had said, The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Isaiah 53 is the chapter about the suffering servant of God. Well, Paul wrote this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you have your Bibles, it would be well to turn to that passage. And if you don't have your Bible, make a note to ponder this passage. You can get an awful lot of understanding about the Bible and why Christ came by simply meditating on 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now, I'm reading from the New International Version, which makes it pretty simple. It says, God made him, Christ that is, who had no sin, and of course he had none, to be sin for us. Now, some people are shaken up by that. God made him to be sin for us? Yes, that's simply saying what Isaiah said in chapter 53. God put our sins upon him and treated him as the sinner. Well, if he was to take the place of the sinner, he'd have to take the sinner's sin And if he took his sin, he would take the sinner's curse. The law cursed the sinner. And if that is to be the case, then the judgment of God must appropriately fall upon the one who has the sin. That's why Christ suffered. That's why Christ agonized and died, because he had our sin on us. But think of it. He had no sin of his own. Of course not. He was the God-man sent from heaven, born of a virgin, sent here to be the payment for sin, for those who couldn't make the payment because they were not innocent. They were not free of sin. It took a perfect lamb to die for the imperfect. Well, the NIV version says this also. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, now, that may be puzzling to many people also, because how can we become the righteousness of God? You see, there is a righteousness from heaven. It's a gift of God. God gives it to everyone who dares to believe in the one who died for them. And all the righteousness that Jesus Christ had is imputed or put on your account. God credits the righteousness of Christ to your account. 
so that you can stand before God through faith in Christ and be willing to say, I have the righteousness of Christ. And if you really believe that, and God has promised it, then you will have a confidence that no man can shake. You will know that you are complete in Christ, that you have everything that God wants any man to have, and that you are totally acceptable to him. Now, that is not presumption. That is believing a promise, and we call it faith. The Bible calls it faith. Faith is not trying to believe something that's not true. Faith is believing God. If he makes the promise, he expects us to believe it. And if we don't believe it, we are making God a liar by implying that he has promised something and will not stand behind his promise. Will God keep his word? He will. That's what faith is all about. God promised it. The sinless Christ and sinful man are contrasted in Second Corinthians 5.21, and we read that God made him the Christ to be sin for us. And God did it that we might become the righteousness of God. Not only did Christ take our sin upon himself and the consequential punishment for it, which was the justice of God falling on the sinner's substitute, but he also, in turn, gave us righteousness. Now, this is God's promise to the believer, and it is a gift. The Bible declares that Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What is a propitiation? That word means a satisfactory sacrifice. Christ is a satisfactory sacrifice for our sins, yes, for yours and for everybody in the world. Now, does this mean that all sin is paid for? That everyone's sins who has ever been born or will be born, their sins are already paid for? Yes. And that God is satisfied? Yes. And that all men have forgiveness? No. Why not? Because just as Christ went to the cross to pay for sin, so man must go to the cross with his sins. Now, please understand what I'm saying. You can't do that, can you? Because the cross is no longer standing and Christ is no longer on it. But you can go to the cross by faith. And we do it personally. We must do it personally. There's nothing in the Bible about corporate salvation. God isn't saving churches. God is saving sinners. Each person, man, woman, and child, must by faith look back some 1950 years to the cross. That cross stood on a little hill. And it was outside the holy city of Jerusalem because Christ was cursed with our sins. And there he was crucified, and he died for all sins, for all men, for all time. And when you look back and believe that he did it for you, then salvation will be yours, and God will credit you with the righteousness that Christ possessed. And how righteous was Christ? How much righteousness do you have when you believe in him? 
all the righteousness of Christ, complete righteousness. Nothing will be lacking in you. And on that day when the trumpet sounds and the dead are raised, you, with the righteousness of Christ, can go to be with him and stand before the Father, dressed in the righteousness of Christ. That's biblical salvation. It was purchased by your substitute, the Holy Son of God. Does that indicate to any degree that Christ loved you when he came into this world? Oh, it does. Words cannot describe how much he loved us. Well, there were there was a time years ago when I looked back to that cross with Christ dying for me, and I realized it was for me, me personally, and if I had been the only person in the world, he would have gone to that cross for me, and his saving work was for me, and that results in me getting his righteousness. And I recall that night that I believed in walking outside and looking up into heaven and realizing that this was the first night that I could ever remember looking into the heavens and not having a burden of sin. Christ took away my sins. I exchanged my sin for his righteousness by faith when I went to that cross by faith. Now, this is what it means to believe in Christ. I didn't believe in Christ as a teacher or as a good man or even as a prophet. I believed in a Christ who came to give his life for my life. Now, some people won't go to the cross. They don't consider themselves sinful enough. But God does. When Christ was crucified, the apostle said, He became a curse for us. As Deuteronomy 21.23 declared that said, A hanged man is accursed by God. Well, a man was hanged and he was hanged from a tree. Christ was hanged from a cross. And the application is there. The custom in the Old Testament was to hang only the most vile of sinners. They were first stoned, then hanged on a tree as a spectacle which symbolized God's rejection of the man. Well, now we come to Galatians 3.14, and this passage declares that through Christ, that is, faith in Christ, the blessing of righteousness promised to Abraham is realized by the Gentiles. Listen to that verse again. That in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come upon the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. As a Christian, the blessing of justification, which means being declared righteous by God, is mine because of Abraham. God did not make a promise to Gentiles. He made the promise to Abraham, who is the father of the Jews. Now, we must somehow get an Abraham connection. Well, this is what Galatians 3, 7 stated. So you see that it is men of faith who are the sons of Abraham. God wants everyone, including Gentiles, to have the Abraham connection. And now listen to verse 29. In this same regard, it says, And if you are Christ's, 
that is, if you believe in him, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Friends, we need to be heirs of Abraham because there were no promises made to Gentiles in the Old Testament. The promise was through Abraham. So if I want to get in on the promise, then I want to be an heir of Abraham, and that way I can become an heir of the inheritance and the promises. Although God was not speaking to Gentiles in the Old Testament, he did speak about the Gentiles. And when he made a promise to Abraham that he would be a blessing to all nations, that means Gentiles, he meant through his seed or through his descendant. And which descendant? The Christ descendant. We don't become Jews just because we're children of Abraham. We are believers in Christ like Abraham was a believer, and we are spiritual offspring and entitled to the inheritance. We have been blessed. That promise has been fulfilled. Christ has become the Savior of the whole world, not simply of the Jews. We'll have to talk more about the promise of the Spirit tomorrow, and I hope you'll join me here. Are you convinced that the Scriptures are inspired by God? What did Jesus believe about the Scriptures? Our cassette tape course called The Authority of the Bible is a hard-hitting presentation that focuses on the absolute authority of Jesus regarding the inspired scriptures. You can get information about that by writing to the Radio Bible Course. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 149. 16 Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.